Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Sirach, chapter 35, verse 12 through 17, the second letter of Paul to Timothy, chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, and verse 16 through 18, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 18, verse 9 through 14, and Psalm 84, verse 1 through 6. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So like a lot of you, I picked up a couple of hobbies during the pandemic, some things that I hadn't done before. Some of you know that I I got really into baking bread I was one of those uh, walking cliches um, of, of men who figured out how to, what sourdough was during the, during the pandemic. I was one of those people. Um, and I started to make a bunch of bread. But the other thing, and so by the way, I'd love to make bread for you. If I haven't ever made bread for you and you'd like some, just let me know. Just be like, give, give me some bread and I will make some bread for you. But, um, but the other thing that I did, which is much less useful, was I started to learn how to play chess. Um, um, I'm not going to say I learned how to play chess because I feel like I'm going to be in misery trying to figure chess out for the rest of my life. But I started to learn how to play chess. I got really into it with a friend of mine. Um, he called me up and he's like, I just saw this show on Netflix. Now we all have to learn how to play chess. Um, and so then we did. And we started to play each other. I even got a parishioner who's a chess teacher to, to teach me a couple things. And I got this app on my phone so I could play chess with people at any given time all around the world. Um, and you're just playing chess with whoever in Denmark or Colombia, it doesn't really matter. Uh, doesn't matter if you're up, there's someone in the world and they want to play chess with you right now. Um, and what I loved about playing uh, chess online was, um, you know, when I actually won, I could be like, you get like ruthless and brutal when you start to win a game. You're like, yeah, ha, ha, checkmate, buddy. You know, you're like, you get all that sort of that feeling of like, I've crushed you. I vanquished my enemies while you play a little game on your phone, right? That's the important thing. So then uh, the, the, the shutdown portion of this pandemic came to an end and we got to regather with people. And then I started to play chess with some of my friends in person. And it was fun, but it's very different because uh, all of a sudden I'm face to face with them and I can't like knock the, the board over and be like, ha ha, I beat you because we're friends. And that's not how I get to talk to them. Like when I'm face to face with them and actually like with my friend, all of a sudden, I remembered something about me as a competitor, which is that I'm not a good closer. Like, I'm not good at winning because I don't like to, like, crush my enemy, right? Like, because I'm generally playing a game with a friend of mine, and then if I beat them, like, then they lost, you know? And then I have to look at them and be like, that's eh, so, it, it, for me, it's a very strange feeling of sort of like, I don't get a joy out of beating people that I love, which is why I like to keep it anonymous and online play chess online, I don't have to see anybody's faces, and I can feel all awful and wonderful all at the same time. I don't have to remember that the person on the other end is a human, right? I can just win. I've been listening to this story about, uh, that Jesus tells about the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple uh, my whole life. I've been raised in the church, and I've heard this story of the person who comes in and says, thank God, I'm not like other people. And then the person who comes in and says, Lord, have mercy on me. And, and I've always heard this story as a reminder of our need to be humble 
and not to think ourselves better than others. But it wasn't until this week. I, I don't know if you've ever done this. I'm very capable of this, reading something over and over again and missing the point entirely. Uh, I do that from time to time. So 43 years in, I finally heard this story. I finally actually paid attention to why Jesus told the story. He says, it says, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. I'd always thought of this story as how we approach God. Do we stand before God proud of ourselves or do we stand before God humbly asking for mercy? And that is part of the story. But I'm reminded today when I hear it that Jesus felt the need to tell this story because he saw so many of his siblings, so many people he cared, for whom he cared so deeply, holding others in contempt. And I realize how capable I am of somehow thinking that my relationship with God is one thing and my relationship with everybody else is another thing entirely. That I can have a fantastic relationship with God regardless of what my relationship with you is like. And what Jesus reminds us of over and over again, but especially today, is that the way we love one another is the way we love God. The way we treat one another is the way we treat God. It's come, become another cliche in our time to talk about what a divisive time we live in. And like many cliches, it's true. I have noticed in myself, I have noticed in myself, in my own deep conviction of what I believe to be true and right in this world, I have noticed that as I am feeling this strong sense of conviction about what justice looks like, about what is right, about how to treat one another, I have noticed in myself that what rises up alongside that clear understanding of what is right, I, under, I see within me a bunch of contempt rising up. A bunch of hatred, not just anger. Anger something else, but contempt. How could other people be like this? Don't they know better? So Jesus is speaking directly to me today and reminding me that the way that I love others is how I love God. And I want to say something else about these divisive times. I understand that God loves all of us. Truly, God loves this world fully and loves people on any side of any given argument, God loves them. That is not the same as saying that all beliefs are equal and all uh, positions and opinions are equally valid. 
Sometimes we in the Christian church, when we talk about God loving all people, come to the conclusion, therefore we can all just be neutral or moderate about the world because God is too. But I don't think we can actually truly believe that fully in our hearts. I don't think we can just say, oh, well, God loves everyone, and therefore, uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe. Um, just, just understand uh, that God loves you. I think it does matter tremendously what we believe and what we stand for. I was reminded of this powerfully last week. I, was, I got to go to New Orleans last week, and New Orleans has this beautiful museum. It's the muse, a World War II museum. If you haven't been, it's fantastic. It's a really special. I don't know if I'd call it fun, but I'd call it compelling and eye-opening. It's eye-opening for someone like me because I do believe that God loves everyone, and I want this to be a world in which we live in peace and justice and care for one another, and when we're all on the same team, we try to see each other that way. And then you go through this museum, and you see what evils and atrocities humans are capable of. And you remember it's not all just shades of gray. It's not just everyone's entitled to their own opinion. There's evil in this world. And humans are capable of it. And there's good in this world. And it's worth fighting for. But can we stand up for good? Can we fight for justice and love? Can we do this without hating? Can we stand up for what is true and right and beautiful in God's creation? Can we, as Christians, work actively in this world to make it a more loving and equitable place? Can we do this and stand in opposition to other people without hating them? I brought up that my chess game online earlier because as long as I didn't have to see the person, I didn't have to remember their humanity. And then I could feel all sorts of negative feelings. And I think this is something that we are quite capable of in our time. Forgetting the humanity of the people around us. Because it makes it easier to hold them in contempt and it makes us feel more secure in our own understanding of our part in this world. I want to remind you at this time that the Pharisees were right about a lot of things. And I mean that. I don't say that ironically. The Pharisees were right about a lot of things. The Pharisees hated being conquered by the Roman Empire being marginalized and oppressed. They hated it. They didn't believe it was right for them to be treated this way. The Pharisees believed that God would deliver them. And the Pharisees believed that their actions, their beliefs, and the way that they lived in the world mattered. They followed the law of the Torah, not just to be good people, but because they believed in following these laws, they would become closer to God. What a beautiful reason to do a thing. 
The Pharisees didn't like King Herod. They didn't like the vassal state in which they lived, and they wanted to see justice rain down from on high. They wanted to see God make things right. These are good things. The Pharisees understood systemic problems and that they had a responsibility to try to combat them. These aren't the reasons Jesus criticizes them. His critique is not that they're wrong about all these things. Jesus' critique of the Pharisees over and over again is your understanding in what, of what is right keeps leading you into a space of contempt for others. It's not that you're wrong. It's that you're not loving enough. It's that we're allowing being right. We're allowing being right to become more important than being loving and holding one another, one another in care. This this is the work of the Christian. We do not love without concern for justice. That's impossible, actually. But likewise, Jesus teaches us that there is no justice without love. We cannot expect to make things right in this world through hatred. We cannot expect that we will finally be able to love everyone once they agree with us. And we cannot only love people with whom we agree. This does not mean there is no such thing as right or wrong. This does not mean that all sides are equal in every single argument or position. That's madness. But as we learn what God is calling us to stand up for, as we engage with this world seeking, as our faith says, seeking reconciliation with God through prayer and worship and through the promotion of justice, peace, and love, as we seek to do that work in real and practical ways, we must understand that it means nothing if we engage in that work without love. So we will take our stand on things. And we will continue to say we believe. We believe that all people should be treated with dignity and respect. We believe in God's presence in this world, and we will fight for a world that reflects that truth. But part of the way that we will do so is by learning how to rid ourselves of the contempt, of the hatred that oftentimes wells up within us. As I get older, I'm, I'm becoming less and less of an idealist. I just, like I said, you know, I, I used to want to be a pacifist. You go to the World War II Museum, 
it's just kind of hard to be a pacifist. Likewise, I'd love to stand up here and tell you just to get rid of all the hatred in your heart. You're not gonna, and neither am I. Hatred and contempt will be a part of our experience as we seek to do what is good and right in this world. So I'm not going to ask you just to get rid of it perfectly. But if we can notice, if we can observe and be aware when the hatred and the contempt for others rises up within us, can we see it and name it and instead of secretly enjoying it, can we recognize that that is not of God? This is part of the work of loving this world the way God loves it. And it is in learning how to love this world that we truly understand how to love God. In Jesus' name.